Welcome to the Mobile Dev Memo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Sufert. This is the second episode of ATT One Month In, which is a three-part series designed to provide an overview of how ATT is impacting the mobile advertising ecosystem. The first episode of the series was published last week and can be found on the Mobile Dev Memo website or in the podcast catalog. My guest today is Paul Bowen. Paul is the general manager of Algolift, a company that specializes in mobile advertising analytics and marketing automation, and which was acquired by Vungle late last year. Paul has a storied career in mobile ad tech, having been a VP at Unity Ads prior to Algolift and a VP at Tapjoy before that. Paul and I discussed the future of SK Ad Network conversion value management and whether developers will be able to unify around a global standard for interpreting conversion values, and, if so, who will define that standard. We also talk about the conversion value observation window and how developers can test for the efficacy of changing it past the 24 hours that Facebook is advising advertisers to use. The conversation meanders across very many fairly esoteric topics related to ATT and SK Ad Network, and we never really come up for air to provide context or background. So this episode is not for the faint of heart. And by that, I mean people who are not knee-deep in ATT-related testing and measurement all day long, as I am. I do have one quick correction to make. In the podcast, we talk about iOS 14.6 being in public beta, when in fact iOS 14.6 had been released a few days prior to recording this podcast, and it's available now. I also want to point out that I am running a discount on my online course, iOS 14, How to Prevail in Q2 2021, in conjunction with this podcast series. The discount code can be found on the Mobile Dev Memo blog post that links to this podcast. Please enjoy my conversation with Paul Bowen. Paul Bowen, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Where are you calling in from? Are you still in Seattle? Yeah, right now I'm in, I'm, I did a COVID move uh, during Seattle, so uh, during, uh, over the last year. So yeah, I'm in Seattle right now, but previously was in, in San Francisco. Well, hey, thanks for joining the podcast. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you taking part. So this is kind of the, the series that I'm doing is just like, uh, you know, it's called uh, ATT one month in, and I just wanted to kind of set a waypoint. I feel like there's, you know, any, 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 any advertiser, any developer has their context, right? They have their data set. And um, I thought it would be really helpful to, to, to bring in people that, that work at, you know, the various ad tech companies that have a much broader purview and, and perspective on the market. But before we get into that, maybe you could introduce yourself in your own words. Yeah. Uh, so Paul Bowen, uh, general manager of uh, Algolift uh, by Vungle. So uh, Algolift uh, is a LTV prediction company and a UA automation company uh, that was acquired by Vungle in October last year. Uh, I've been in uh, ad tech for over 20 years now, been in, in mobile ad, ad tech for over 10 years. Um, so prior to Algolift, I was uh, VP of account management at uh, Unity Ads, um, where I had the pleasure of working with your wife. And then before that, I um, was VP of EMEA for Tapjoy, so one of the very early ad networks. Um, and so I've seen, I've seen some of the turmoil that perhaps we're going to go through over the next uh, month, weeks and months um, at Tapjoy as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my background. Always working sort of on the, on the ad network side, um, but now really more in the sort of uh, SaaS sort of measurement and UA automation sort of uh, arena. Um, great. And I think, you know, you're kind of particularly well positioned for that reason to, to kind of, you know, um, provide a, you know, provide a, a, a description of, of what, what you see happening. So that's maybe my first question. What do you see happening? What, what are you seeing right now? What, uh, you know, we're one month in, what, what are you seeing happening in the, in the kind of mobile advertising, uh, uh, marketplace? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this really is a boiling frog problem right now. Um, you know, the rollout of 14.5 plus is, is pretty slow. 14.6 has, has got started, but it's still it's still relatively slow as well. So um, the intent the incentive structure to sort of move to this new paradigm still doesn't feel necessarily imperative for, for any of the parties, I guess. Um, especially on the advertiser side, I think you know that 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 sort of the cohort of of sort of uh, companies within within the sort of ecosystem that really needs to embrace this new paradigm. And I think. 
that's a real that's a real challenge for them right now. I think ad tech companies have done pretty well or quite well in terms of preparations. Um, I mean, just some top line numbers. Uh, so I can talk about Bungle because, as I said, we're we're a part of Bungle. So um, as a contribution of overall iOS spend, um, fourteen point five is now fifteen uh, percent. Um, we're seeing 14.5 proliferation, 14.5 plus proliferation around 18%, and around 17% of users are accepting uh, the ATT uh, pop-up today. Um, I think probably the most interesting piece for me really is the amount of spend that's on 14.5 plus. Um, the opt-in rate, I, I think, for me is less is less interesting because mm -hmm. yeah, we can talk about this, but I'm just not too sure about the usage of that that data. Uh, yeah. From a modeling perspective, I, I think really the only piece that it could be interesting for is on the publisher side, if you want to optimize your, your ATT pop-up. Um, but yeah, spend is still pretty low. And actually over the past sort of week or so, we've seen a, a flattening of advertisers creating SKR network campaigns. And, and the spend isn't sort of increasing as you may hope, given, given probably where we're going over the next couple of weeks, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's sort of some high level numbers. Um, yeah, we can dig in wherever you want to want to go on those. Yeah, I mean, I think opt-in rate to me is just a distraction, right? Like, and I've I've written about it. You know, it's going to be constrained by Facebook's opt-in rate. You know, on the one hand, and yeah. then you know, kind of the rest of the ecosystem. It's like a matching problem, right? So, like, yeah, yeah you and I and I feel like that's what I've been telling. Um, you know, the companies I work with too, I think that the, the, the natural instinct is to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to spend a lot of time trying to optimize that opt-in rate. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to move it. We're going to move the needle there. And it's like, well, yeah, people saw that happen early on when, you know, you were trialing this and, you know, someone that saw your pop-up and saw your kind of pre pop-up was seeing an ATT pop-up for the first time ever. Right. Yeah. And so they, you know what I mean? They, they, they weren't sort of biased um in in that way but now that you know everyone kind of knows what att is and App, apple has got their thumb on the scale with these ridiculous advertisements right yeah. no one you're not going to be able to meaningfully change that number from a baseline of whatever to 40 percent or 50 percent or 60 percent right i mean if your baseline if you test it and your baseline is 20 percent, i don't know maybe you can get that to 22 or 23 or whatever but you're not going to be able to double that there's just yeah. no way and and i think also a lot of people were you know, in the early days, kind of trumpeting the fact like, oh, we got 50% often. Yeah, uh, but no one knows what that means. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like no, no consumer knows what this even does. They're seeing it for the first or the, the first time. Like once, once this becomes just sort of like, you know, something that consumers are familiar with and they, they, they've, you know, they've seen it um, across, you know, a number of apps and they've, they've kind of read these articles and they, they understand what impact this will have on, or the perceived in, impact this will have uh, or the narrative, they understand the narrative that's being sold to them on the impact that this will have on them. They're just going to opt out. Um, yeah. And so I, I feel like, you know, any number you see now, first of all, it's going to, it's probably too high. Um, and it's not representative of like kind of a, a longer term, um, you know, opt-in rate. Second of all, you have to discount that by the matching rate, which is just, you know, it's going to be much lower. You can't, you can't presume that because I have 50% opt-in, I have like sort of 50% transparency um, and I'm, I retain, you know, 50% of the ad effectiveness. It, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the question is, what do you actually do with that data as well? Right. So, yeah. you know, like if, it, if you, if you end up with sort of a 10 to 20% opt-in rate, what are you actually going to do with that data? You know, you can't, you can retarget it, you can create lookalikes, but it's a very small segment of users yeah. that you can do that on. Um, it's not going to be a represent, representative sample of the overall cohort. Right. Um, oh, it's very unlikely to. And I, I think assuming that that is a representative sample is, is, is not really the best way to sort of use that data. Um, you have, you have no, no idea whether it's biased or not. And as you just said, it's very likely going to be biased um, because yeah. of a bunch of external factors. So yeah, I agree. The focus on opt-in rates um, to me feels misleading and, and I, I feel like the focus on that means that we're not talking about some of the bigger problems and you know currently what i i, I feel that like the bigger problems are uh, sort of measurement consolidation of measurement and, and sort of uh, reporting and then optimization i don't think there's there's been a sort of rigorous conversation around really what they look like uh, going forward um 
And I think at some point in, over the next sort of month, we're going to have to have some pretty serious, well, advertisers are going to have to have some pretty serious conversations around how they, they view the performance of their, their campaigns, of, of their SKM network campaigns. That said, you know, while, while Apple, Apple is allowing fingerprinting, you know, the, pro the problem isn't as large as it could be. Um, uh, although, you know, on, on SANs, on self-attributing networks like Facebook and Google, yeah, they, they are, these advertisers are going to have a real problem there. Uh, and, they, and they are really going to have to tackle the problem of how do I, how do I actually quantify the returns that I'm getting back from these SKR network campaigns? And then how do I, how do I decide how to optimize these campaigns? I think that's yeah. a critical question that, that most advertisers haven't really come to terms with yet. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a couple, um, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that, you know, you had a bunch of advertisers that as soon as this was announced, they like assembled like a war room and, you know, back in last June, they assembled a war room and they're like, okay, we're going to figure this out. We're going to get ahead of it. And, you know, they, you know, invested a lot of time and energy and they came up with like pretty interesting solutions. Um, and then just, you know, this went live and there's no data, right? There's no data to validate them. Um, and so we're still just kind of in this, this holding pattern of, you know, like you said, you know, 15% of spend is going to iOS, you know, uh, uh, 14.5 traffic, you know, the data was limited beyond that because there were issues with SK ad network and then Facebook and Google just only send you uh, kind of campaign level data. It's like, there's just not enough data to even validate these models that the sort of the, the really kind of, um, eager and proactive teams built. Um, yeah. And then second, you know, a lot of companies are just not equipped to do this at all. It doesn't, it like there's, they recognize the problem, but it's like, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to take, you know, my one data scientist off of, you know, the sort of very critical work that he or she does and, and push them onto this when there's just no data. And then the yeah. third class of advertisers doesn't know how this impacts them. It's like, yeah, we make games. Like, what are you talking about? Yep. ad targeting what are you talking about you know tracking i don't know what those things mean like we have someone right out of school doing facebook campaigns for us like they, they don't they just have no sort of conceptual grasp of how this impacts them so i i feel and, and and for that reason that's why it's like it's you know everyone's saying oh, i just i wish 14.5 would launch you know like a couple months ago like i wish it would just launch we ripped the band-aid off well no it's like we're like slowly peeling the band-aid off right yep. <laughs> And, yeah, and I, your article you wrote today. I think in some ways it's good they didn't. If Apple were gonna, if Apple were gonna do the updates that it looks like they're doing, I think it's good that they didn't rip the bandaid off, right? So I, I think if we were to accept the the number, the privacy threshold as it was prior to May twenty first, we'd say fine, rip the bandaid off. But but it seems yeah. it seems like Apple and you know. Apple has asked Bungle for feedback on SKM Network. I know they're doing, they're getting feedback from the rest of the, from a bunch of industries or stakeholders. So mm. it does feel like they are taking feedback from the market. And yeah, I guess, I guess my preference would be that, that they, they didn't rip the bandaid off if they're prepared to continue to, to innovate on it, um, which it sure. feels like there is. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and it would have been super chaotic. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's just like, you can't, you can't really act on this data that you see right now, because if it's like 15% of spend, you just don't have the, the, the volume of data that you need to build the, the kind of, you know, SK ad network, like, uh, based ROAS models, right. Um, yeah. that you'd rely on going forward. There's just, there's just not enough data. Right. Um, no. yeah, and, I mean, my so sense, and yeah. I've had feedback from the market on this is a lot of people are just going to be minimizing CPI in the initial stages. Yeah. Um, and, you know, conversion value will be a secondary factor, but just buying the most amount of insoles will, will, will probably go back to 2011 in terms of how we think about yeah. UA, just because those, for the, the mass market, those tools are not in place. Right. And, and I mean, to be fair, some of them were not really doing that before you know, like in a lot, in the last few years, right. I mean, there's a lot of companies that just optimize for CPI and that was just the case. That was the extent of their capabilities there. Or they just said, you know, I'm just, I'm only, I'm only going to buy on Facebook and I'm doing VO and, yeah. and I'm giving them a profit margin. Um, what, but you kind of made an interesting point. We, we kind of talked about this a little bit, uh, a, a few days ago, but ha you know, thinking about like an industry kind of normalized standard there for SK ad network, um, and, 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 you know, the, the usage of, of conversion values, because, you know, how would that look like? Because 
on the, you, it's funny because you have a you have a bunch of you know disparate um companies actually buying ads right and you have like a much much smaller group of ad networks that probably would prefer that everything um everything was uniform right but the advertisers uh don't really benefit from that as such but for the fact that the ad networks that they normalize it it's just easier to work with all of them how would how would you see that unfolding yeah i mean i see some convergence around um approaches to the definition of conversion value um campaign setup uh, I, I just think there has to be some standardization there and some guidelines. You know, Facebook have, have been pretty, well, reasonably good, I guess, from a campaign setup point of view, but I haven't heard much from other ad networks. Um, and then from a, from a measurement and an optimization point of view, I, you know, I think we need standardization on pretty much everything. Or, you know, yeah, because you look back at where we were prior to SKI Network and, and when we had, you know, deterministic attribution, D7 RAS was a pretty pretty good proxy for well a reasonably good proxy for ltv and, and pretty much the whole the whole industry used that um that becomes you know we don't have we're not going to have these seven rows on SKN network uh, campaigns that i can see us converging around a couple of, of of sort of you know core kpis from a measurement point of view um but going back to just going back to SKN network i mean it would be great if if facebook published some guidelines on on conversion value definition. Like this this is how you should define conversion value if you want to do VO campaigns. This is how you you know like just some some more rigid guidelines because I think right now my understanding is um, you know different client partners at Facebook are giving different advice to different clients, um, and I, I just think some standardization there around conversion value and, and some leadership from Facebook would be great. I mean I mean I think the leadership probably have to come from Facebook. They're, you know, they're, they're the most sophisticated ad yeah. network out there. Uh, so some leadership around standardization on, on at least conversion value would be good. Uh, and then sort of you know, campaign setup. You talked about it yesterday on, on, on your podcast with Rich. I just think some standardization around how do I set up the campaign to ensure that I get the maximum number of, um, of conversion values back uh, yeah. from, from SKI network. But, yeah, I think there needs to be some convergence around how to do that. Do you group similar LTV publishers together? Do you uh, group similar size publishers together? Like, how, how do you, in a campaign, like, how do you how do you formulate a campaign to be able to maximize the, the measurement that you get from that campaign, but also you know, maximize the number of insoles as well, I guess. Um, I think there's a bunch of work to be done that, that hasn't been done yet. And, and there's, there's standardization at the network, ad network level on the measurement side and um, on the SKR network side in terms of conversion value definition. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, um, I made the same point to Facebook. So they, I wrote an article a couple of months ago about, you know, they were just, Facebook and Apple were just sort of like engaged in this like public, uh, you know, public barb trade uh you know where they would just you know issue statements critical of the other like back and forth and i wrote this article about how that hey what, you know this isn't helpful uh you know this you're, no one's no one's benefiting from this um and you know they i spoke to some people at at facebook um who you know just they they wanted to clarify their their position it and and their point was look we can't take a leadership position here because you know there's the problem of the problem of you know conversion value management is that well anyone can update the conversion value right and so like well we could do it with our SDK and we could say hey well here are the definitions that we think you should use and and we want to standardize these across across apps but what happens then if the MMPs do something different what happens if a different um, ad network with an SDK integration does something different like we can't control what other people do and I, I said okay yes that's technically true but you've got enough market power where you could sort of just define that like if you if advertisers would default to having you manage that I mean I know it's kind of like come on you know you know that yeah. um, I, I think I think Facebook I think whoever that is underestimating whoever that was is underestimating the power that Facebook have right um, I mean they you know if they decided you know, we're already moving towards a D zero conversion value definition, and that's solely because of Facebook, right? So right. they've already set a standard there. I know that you know advertisers want to push for longer, and you, you know you can potentially do that with with uh, with a custom conversion model. But 
um, yeah, they, they certainly have the power to drive standards within, within, the, within the ecosystem. And yeah, and have, I mean... Well, they, yeah, exactly. They, they just they just have the 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 gravitas, right? Like if they just said, "Hey, this is what we want you to do for Facebook. Do whatever you want with everybody else." Everyone would say, "Well, okay, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to set it up one way." And all the other you know partners that I work with have to conform to that. I think yeah. um, I I I don't think you know I I I think the sort of uh, you know the bigness of spirit uh, that Facebook has shown with respect to like uh allowing mmps like to 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 potentially manage conversion values and the advertiser can just decide hey if you use us that's fine if you use them i don't think that's going to persist for too long i think facebook's going to want to wrap its arms around that and once it does it'll have set the standard once it does it can say no this event goes to this conversion value and here's how you map these things what, why do you think that they'll want to they'll want to own that i mean i i can understand yeah i can understand why it makes sense for them i i just do you want to assert that much market power where you demand it versus the just giving a, an advisory sort of role on it, I guess. So my, my proposal was at least publish some standards that people can sort of align around. But I'm curious why you think they should demand it. They, they should demand that they sort of define it. Well, well, so no, okay. I don't think they should demand that they define those things, but I think that they won't uh, play nicely with the MMPs for much longer, right? Yeah. And, then, and then that will de facto sort of uh, render their mappings definition the standard, right? Because so long as the MMPs, so like basically they've set it up so that like, hey, well, you can manage your conversion value uh, structure via the MMP or via Facebook. And if you do it through Facebook, then the RSDK can update conversion value. If you do it through MMP, then we'll just defer to them. I feel like yeah. that's that, well, that creates that sort of uh, that that condition where, you know, you could have a conflict of, of, of the update, right? I think if they say, look, you know, we're not going to allow MMPs to access this anymore. Um, you know, they can't, they're not going to be able to know what our definition is and, and utilize that if they update the conversion value. I think they could just sever that connection and then they, then, and then they essentially own it. Right. Because everyone, everyone knows like that the MMPs don't really have the kind of, um, you know, the weight, I think, to, to, to sort of uh, make a similar demand and people won't sort of see a line drawn in the sand. They'll just say, okay, well, I've got to go with Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I, I could see that happening. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been curious that to, to sort of be a, a watcher of how the, the larger ad tech companies, so Google and Facebook, Facebook especially, have, have reacted to the reporting piece of, of SKR network. And, you know, Google's reporting API for, for conversion values, I think it went, went live last week. Um, yeah. <laughs> they've been, they've been, you know, they reported on their on their dashboards, but you know, Google could release an API. I would assume they could release that API in a week if they really wanted to. And it's yeah. just, it's interesting to see why there was a delay there um, around, right. around sharing that with the MMPs. Given, I also think that that's interesting given how important it is to the to the advertisers, right? I mean, you know, they yeah. they do they do want. It. So th this is where you know, I, I don't think MMPs are out the picture because. Advertisers need a consolidated reporting dashboard. They, they, you know, they still do need that on on SKR networks. Um, yeah. So there's some functionality there for sure, which is which is key. Um, but yeah, the fact that the the uh, Facebook and Google, especially, are aggregating postbacks and their modeling conversions, it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. How advertisers react to it? Like, do you take that data at face value? Do you try and interpret it? Um, yeah. That, I think that's going to be really interesting as as people scale up, as advertisers scale up on SKR networks, and just see see what that model data looks like. How, how do you interpret aggregated postbacks from one network versus raw postbacks from another network? Um, I think that's a really interesting question that that needs to be answered at some point. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, and Facebook's MMP integration went went out really late too. I mean, it was post post fourteen point five launch, so they both sort of took their time. Um, you know, the, the funny thing to me about the Google approach is, you know, they're not even, they're not even utilizing the conversion value. They're, they're just modeling based on opt-in, which they can do, right? Because they've got, you know, they've got the Google display network. They've got all that opt-in data that they can use. So it's like, well, if, if that's the case, why even sh show me an SKI network report, right? If you're just straight up modeling based on opt-in data from, you know, the Google display network. What, what difference does it make? You, you could just say, look, we're completely opting out of this new framework altogether. Like everything that we report on. Well, I mean, I, I you know, you've got the opt-in sort of, you're, you're, you're sort of 
inextricably attached to it because you're using opt-in data, which is a result of ATT. But you could say, I mean, beyond that, beyond just the recognition that ATT exists, we are not, you know, we are not utilizing that framework. We're, we're basically, you know, we're basically ignoring it, um, which yeah. is what they're doing. So like, I guess from, you know, out of some dedication to transparency, they're even making the aggregated data available because you're just, you're, 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 you're solely at the mercy of what Google says that uh, their traffic, uh, you know, provided to you. You're, you're, there's, there's no auditability there. And even if there was, even if they provided the postbacks, it doesn't really matter because they're not using those. They're, they're using the opt-in data from, you know, the other, other areas of their sort of network to, to, to tell you what, what happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could go back to pre-SKN. There was no auditability of, of any of the self-attributing networks either. You know, they, they, yeah. So I, I don't think, that, I don't think much has changed in, in terms of, in terms of how they, how they operate. Um, if, if I were Google, I would be, I, I would, you know, aggregate as much as possible. Um, unless I saw an incentive to do otherwise, I, I just you know, I, I, right, right now though it's not clear to me what yeah you know, why Facebook or Google should be more transparent. Like, why why should we give you the raw postbacks? I guess yeah, you know, would it yeah you know, why why yeah you know, why should they do that? Well, no, they shouldn't. I mean, they they're doing it. You know, they're they're. I mean, they're 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 very sort of like ruthlessly uh you know kind of uh self-interested so I, of course they they shouldn't you know from 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 the perspective of their business and, and actually so i i've been surprised that more ad networks haven't haven't taken that approach um like what you know some of the smaller ad networks someone like the unity why wouldn't they just aggregate the postbacks why you know why would you report the raw postbacks um uh yeah i mean maybe they have to be a little bit more developer friendly um you know, for other, maybe for other reasons, but I, yeah, I mean, they could, I don't know that they have the market power. I think you could say, look, we're just not going to use you. Like we could, you know, if they, if they all, you know, there's like a game theory problem. Like the first person to, to, to sort of step out in front of the pack says, we're not, we're not releasing raw postbacks anymore. Well, everyone just diverts budget away from them. Like if they all sort of did it in unison, of course, then people couldn't fight it. But uh, yeah. you know, I think it's, I, it, but it, I mean, it, yeah, it, it would make total sense if someone had the power to do that. Of course they would prefer to do that. And, and then especially to just model, to model the conversions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't see why any network wouldn't want to model con conversions. Just like I don't see why any network wouldn't have wanted to be a self-attributing network if it, if right. it had the power to do so. Like, sure. To me, it's analogous, right? It's just if yeah. you have the market power to do that, why not do it? Right. I mean, you know, one of the one of the kind of arguments here that didn't get made that much, like in the lead up. Um, was you know this in in a sense this opens up a lot more inventory uh because well now you know you know F facebook didn't even show you know mobile app ads to to lat on and so well that's now open that, then that's now going to be utilized right like that was you know there's an underutilization of like 40 percent right of of devices um and now those will be fully utilized and then the other uh, argument, um, you know, that never really got made, but is, is, I, you know, nonetheless valid is, um, that, you know, well, they're, they're not going to have these, this double counting issue anymore. The SANs can't say, nope, I, that we, we got it. We, you have to pay us for it. Even though, you know, the actual install was delivered by somebody else, like from a click, right? Um, nope, we showed the ad we, you owe us like they can't do that. Now, now we've got the SKAD network, like 3.0, that's going to have this sort of multi multi-touch, uh, you know, component to it, but I, I don't think it'll, my sense is that's not going to get massive uptake or I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but, but yeah, I mean, so you're not only are you just opening up a lot more inventory because well now almost all of it's going to be let on. And so therefore, you know, you'll, it'll, it'll, we'll just have to figure that out, but also, you know, there's not going to be the double counting issue of, well, I have to pay twice for, you know, an install when really it was delivered by some ad network, but Facebook claimed it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, but then I guess the, the, the challenge you do have is these model conversions and, are the model conversions actually what what really happened? Right. I, right. I guess that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the bit yeah. that, that is unknown, and is you, you there is no way to verify that model, or yeah, there's there's no way to verify that model. So I think there's a positive there in in that you know you have more competition for for the existing impressions. But is what happens when they deliver an ad impression actually what happened? I guess that's 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 a question mark right now. Yeah, I mean, and maybe it's six of one half a dozen of the other maybe it's like well you know 
maybe they just I don't know it's it but it's like yeah okay well there was this one thing that you know kind of worked against our favor and now there's this other thing that kind of works against our favor and which one of those has like the worst you know absolute impact who knows it's impossible to say right I mean um, yeah I mean my my sense is at least for the next few months there's not going to be big significant budget changes uh from on the advertiser side between networks I, I think they're probably going to want to uh, you know, if say we see that hockey stick um, proliferation of of, of ATT, um, my sense is that most advertisers will just maintain roughly their their budget allocation that they had prior to the, um, and they they won't necessarily uh, conversion values won't necessarily play into the budgeting decisions they make. That's sort of how I see it going for at least the next couple of months before they see sort of how their landscape really changes. I don't, know, I don't know what you think about that, but I just I just don't see anyone making significant budget changes across the network. Although that said, right now, Facebook is getting pretty competitive. And so I think, you know, any network that is be, uh, that is still sort of, well, doing probabilistic attribution sort of fingerprinting is, is probably benefiting from the fact that, that Facebook is getting pretty expensive right now. Yeah. Um, but I, my sense is that that is not long for this world. I don't think Apple is going to tolerate that for too much longer. Yeah. It, it's, too, it, it's too blatant. Yeah. I, so, I mean, the way that I see it, Apple's currently getting feedback on sort of 14.5 uh, and sort of um, an SKN of 3 as well. I think, I think once they finish this round of feedback, I think we might find that they start to enforce. And I think that's the, the enforcement time probably. I think they'll they'll see that, yeah, we think we've done a good enough job on this version. Um, mm -hmm. So it's time to start enforcing. That would be that would be my guess. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think every, everyone expected there to be a grace period, right? Yeah. Um, but this is not gonna, this is not going to be uh, tolerated post grace period. I mean, I think once the grace period is over, this is going to be, curtailed um and you know i i i feel like that grace period is you know with this sort of expiration date is not too far off what do you think what do you think the 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 point at which you know, that grace period ends well my my original hypothesis was that it was when uh ios 14.5 adoption hit majority uh you know hit a majority of the the you know devices and so you know, we never saw that elbow, right? In terms of the uptick, um, they they did slow roll it, as I you know wrote about today. I think, well, if they feel like, hey, we fixed the fundamental problems, we sort of feel comfortable. You know, we we, you know, uh, it, uh, it 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 looks like they made a change to the to the to the privacy threshold. If that you know, if that is indeed the case, it was a very deliberate choice. Um, you know, we did that. We adjusted. Uh, we adjusted the things that needed adjusting to make this a kind of reliable, viable uh, framework. And now we're ready to go. And now, and now this is the law of the land, right? Like we had a little bit of a transition period that we allowed people to continue doing fingerprinting because we were making adjustments ourselves, but Hey, now those are done. And this is, um, you know, th this is, this is the rule set that you must uh, conform to. And so I think maybe that's iOS 14.6 and that's any day now. Right. And so when that happens and if they push that out and they actually do this, you know, system level push, that'll that adoption will take a couple of days. And then it's I feel like then it's kind of game over for fingerprinting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you for sure. Um, I, I'm curious to see how the enforcement looks, um, but I, I tend to agree that that's probably how it's going to go. Well, haven't we? We've you know, the, the, it'll just be a sequel to what we already saw. Right. Or do you, you, you think not or? Um, I wonder whether it might be a little bit more amicable. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, Apple doesn't tend to give people notice around, around actions right. they're going to take. So I think you're probably right. I think, you know, SDKs will get rejected and, and then, you know, there will be an acceptance that, that, that there's a new paradigm. I mean, one thing that I've, I've been thinking a lot about with fingerprinting is, you know, it's still, it's still, it's still possible to do. Um, on a server-to-server -server basis, so mm -hmm. some of the largest companies are still going to be able to do this. Um, you, know, you don't necessarily need to use an MMP to fingerprint. So there are there are ways around this, and I, I think there will always be companies that try and try and do this because you know it gives you some depth, some definitiveness around the the reporting that you're getting that you don't get from SCAD networks, and I just think it's inevitable that that companies will try to will try to sort of 
flat happiness a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I agree. That was my content fortress thesis, or at least part of it. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's going to be, and at, at some point, you know, if you own all that, I wonder if Apple even cares, right? I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. I, that's not, that's not very clear to me. Um, and if they, if they do care, then you shouldn't do it. Right. Um, but, uh, I don't, it's not clear to me that they do care if it's, if it's totally fully owned and operated, it's not clear to me that they care. Yeah, I guess, I guess what's the definition of fully owned and operated is it the same iTunes account. How do you define, how do you define what is your content fortress? Um, I, I also, so my, my point was, I, I expect there to be, it's not just within a company's own content, uh, sort of cross promotion, I guess you could call it. The, the other is just their own ad networks who would definitely skirt the rules as well in terms of, in terms of supporting that as well. So I, I see it from, you know, just pure play ad networks potentially yeah. being, you know, a smaller one who wants to make good grounds will be more open to that, I'd say, uh, on, yeah, on, yeah. on their competitors. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I think I think this is it's going to be very murky for a while, um, and I actually don't see any ability for, for Apple to fully enforce this technically. Um, I think it's it's going to be a policy, and and you know the largest players are going to have to adhere to it. Um, yeah, that's my sense. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think I think the 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 enforcement um, is is or let's say that the compliance is going to be driven by just the catastrophic nature of being caught. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Like I might be willing to sneak out of my room at night. Cause like worst case scenario, I'm going to get grounded for a week. Uh, you know, if my parents are going to ship me off to Siberia, if I get caught, it's probably not worth the risk. Right. Like I, you know, I think it's, you know, that that's the, 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 the question is, could you ever truly keep something totally secret from Apple? Um, and you know, if you're a small company, they probably don't care if you're a big company and you know, you get caught and maybe they do. And, and it's like, well, then they control your fate. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen this before at, at, at Tapjoy, right? Um, so the Tapjoy yeah. Apple wall on, on iOS, you know, people, people would see developers running it and then point it out to Apple, their, their Apple yeah. rep, right? They just say, why are they allowed to do this? And we're not. Um, yeah. I guess the tougher thing is there's nothing, there's nothing within the app that helps you understand that, that any advertiser is doing that. Um, but yeah, for sure, for sure, if Apple find about it, out about it, and yeah, people talk, and so at some point they, they probably would find out that someone was, was trying to skirt the rules. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, yeah, they don't, you know, but so like I go from comp, my competitor, I, I get hired by a competitor. And now the company that I used to work at that was, you know, uh, breaking yeah. the rules uh, uh, is no longer my employer, but my competitor. Well, maybe then, you know, I, I want to tell somebody about it. I, I, it's, just, it's a small industry. I, I feel like, and now, you know, App, Apple can't just punish people for, you know, uh, uh, sort of like unprovable, um, you know, unprovable behavior, but I don't know, maybe they find a way to prove it. I, I, I just, it's just, it's, it's hard for me to believe that like Apple couldn't, and, and that's like an extreme, I don't know. I mean, this is maybe just like starting to be conspiratorial, but it just feels to me like this stuff doesn't stay secret. I mean, like, especially like, I mean, if you, even if you just start from like mobile gaming, like the, the degree to, to which people move around, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's dizzying. Like you can't even keep track of it. And, and so then you, you, you know, you look at like the rest of the mobile app ecosystem and it's very similar. So it's just, it feels to me like, may, I don't know, maybe you couldn't prosecute it, but you'd know about it, right? Yeah. And then if you know about it, maybe that influences their behavior too, right? Yeah, and I can't help but think, I, I don't know, I just wonder to what extent um, companies like Facebook or Google lobby Apple to, to actually enforce this, right? Because the larger ad, ad networks that have to follow the rules are going to be a disadvantage. So I am yeah. curious to see how much lobby, lobbying goes on there. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know about lobbying, but certainly punishment, right? Do you remember... Um, uh, uh, what was the name of that company that Facebook bought that did the, uh, oh man, the, the Israeli, yeah, they did the, and, and Facebook, Onava, yeah, Onava, and Facebook, or Apple was like, cut, you know, cut it out, you can't do this anymore, and they kept doing yeah. it, and Apple booted out all of its employee apps from the app, like all this, like, like the, the app that you use to like see the bus schedule that would go around, they booted that out, like the app that you would see what, what, what was for lunch, they booted that out of the app store, I mean like, just, you know, 
I heavy, heavy handed. Right. I mean, yeah. like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't say that crippled the company, but that was like very uncomfortable and, and problematic. Like, I mean, that's, that's some serious. And that was just a shot across the bow. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't, I, I think they've made it clear that they're like, they're not playing around. Like if, if you contravene the rules and they catch you, they're going to punish you. Um, yeah. But you know, this is, I mean, we're just kind of speculating about how that might play out. Um, one thing I want to talk to you about was, you know, we, you talked about, you sort of uh, alluded to the conversion value window. How do you see that evolving? Because one, you know, one day for a lot of apps is just insufficient, right? To like monitor the conversion values and, and try to produce something within one day, it's just, it doesn't work. Do you see that? Uh, I mean, and again, like Facebook has defined that and now everyone's conforming to it, but do you see them budging there? I mean, that's just not very helpful, the, the one day window. Yeah, and I, I think they've actually built it so the MMP deployment of the conversion model value model reject is rejected if you try and do a longer window than than a day. Um, so if you try to to define say a three day a three day period before the conversion value sent and then actually send that to Facebook through your MMP, it gets rejected. Uh, I think you know if you do a, a custom conversion value model direct with Facebook, I think it's harder for them to sort of understand that you've sort of yeah. waited longer. I mean, I, I just think it's inevitable that, um, I, I, well, number one, I, I just don't understand given that Facebook's able to optimize ad spend towards the seven day ROAS and sort of understand historical payer behavior. I don't understand why they can't optimize ad campaigns towards like a, a three, uh, a three day ROAS. Uh, yeah. that to me, I, I just feel like they went for the most basic, the, the, the easiest MVP for the definition. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I can see the most sophisticated advertisers testing, you know, AB testing, whether it, you know, whether it makes, well, not A then B testing, right? Because you, there's, yeah. it's pretty hard to AB test the conversion value because yeah. you know, it's basically universal for the app. But I definitely see over the, over the coming you know, month or so, people testing a longer waiting period and see, see whether that helps their accuracy, how, how much it hurts their, their Facebook, their Facebook, the optimization of the campaigns. I guess the problem is because you can't AB test it, you, you'll, you'll never really know whether waiting made sense because you know, an improvement or a decrease, decrease in improvement on the performance of your, of your Facebook campaigns could be because of a changing environment of, of yeah. the auction, right? So right. I think people will test it, but it really needs to come. It really needs to come from the ad networks, and again, it really needs to come from Facebook. They need to say, "Hey, you know, we, we we've heard feedback, and we're going to support a, a longer waiting period because, as you say, like predicting LTV. Uh, yeah, algorithm's thesis is that using a D7 ROAS to predict LTV to predict LTV is not good enough, right? So yeah. you have late payers who convert after yeah. D7. You have apps that have free trials and subscriptions after a month. Um, and so if you're not taking into account that revenue in your prediction, then you're, you're misallocating budget on the channel and campaign level. Um, yeah. And that problem is exacerbated tenfold when you're looking at D0 ROAS, right? Like yeah, just yeah. looking at a, a D1 payer or a, or a user who does D0, sorry, a D0 payer or a D, user who does D0 events, it's like, it's almost a flip of a coin as to whether they're going to be like a, a, a high LTV user for you. I mean, it's not a flip of a coin because especially if you have to say a mobile uh, game that has payers on day zero, that's a, revenue is the best predictor of LTV, right? So mm -hmm. you're, you're in a good place there. But if you've got like a subscription app or something like that, you barely get enough data on day zero to be able to um, predict LTV. And, and you've talked a lot about this, like it's just going to, it's going to lead to, massive product changes where everyone's cramming monetization into day zero just to try and get any form of data and yeah. just like extending the waiting period for, for a couple more days would just mean that the user experience is going to be better you'll probably get better conversion rates yeah. um because right now i think it's going to have some pretty negative effects on on product um and and you know and it's going to be ineffective from a measurement point of view yeah no i agree with all that i so i'm i'm working um with the company now and we're trying to, you know, we found kind of a clever way or at least a novel way that I think will work to, to test the, um, the conversion value windows, but it's going to be fuzzy. 
I mean, there's, and, and there's going to be like other, there's going to be other confounding factors, right? They're going to do like a geo split test. And so, yeah, I, I was going to say, that. I mean, that's the, but then that's not a fair AB test either. Right. So you can right, split, exactly. the, split the conversion value and do a AB test on geos, but yeah, on any other AB test, you probably wouldn't accept that as a, no. as a fair test. No, 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 you wouldn't, you'd throw it out. Um, but you know, that's just, that's kind of the only way to do it. Um, and then you're talking about, well, how does this, you know, cause then, then, okay, well, fine. Let's say I pick the A and, and it's like, it, it, I can say, okay, even despite these confounding factors, it feels overwhelmingly obvious that A works. Well, then does A apply to the US? I mean, that's the biggest market. So do I care about any other geo really, if I'm optimizing? Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, well, that was kind of the genius of this design in, in some ways, like it just makes it really hard to super, like hyper optimize in that way. I, my sense is that like, um facebook probably yeah like like you said this is just the mvp like we've got to get something out day zero is, is i guess it makes sense because like we'll get you know the fastest possible turnaround of the postbacks and therefore we can kind of optimize campaigns uh faster and build up this bank of data and then once we have this bank of data built up we can kind of relax that standard a little bit because we've already got kind of like um you know there's there's we've built model coefficients where there were none um but yeah my sense is that like facebook provides an option to like, like a slider, you know, like where, do, when do you want us to understand that your conversion value was defined? Cause I mean, ideally you could have, um, you know, there'd be a way where Facebook could sort of like dynamically understand, like, this is the value that they're probably going to want, whether it happened in 24 hours or not. Right. So like, if I send you the highest possible conversion value, it's like, okay, this is it. There's no yeah. reason. I mean, you know, and, and that would, that would get tri triggered anyway. Um, but like, you know, you could probably perceive that if it's like a really high one, that's probably as good as it's going to get, right? Like if you could tear these out into like, if you see any of these stop measuring, even if they're not like the highest, right? Because that's enough signal that to, to satisfy the trade-off of wanting to send yeah. it now versus waiting for possibly a little bit higher, um, you know, versus, uh, versus just saying, well, it's gotta be 24 hours, right? Like having this dynamic, like, well, if I see this then 24 hours, that's it, you know, record it. If I don't, then keep waiting. Um, it, but again, like that's just, yeah, go not ahead. Heard, I've not heard of that. It's quite, that seems like a novel approach. I guess the, the current challenge is most ad networks don't even understand the definition of conversion value. Right. So like yeah. that, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it sounds like a pretty, it sounds like a really interesting approach, but, but given where we are on, on the definition and, yeah. you know, ad networks even being able to optimize towards conversion value. Yeah. That seems like a little bit of a stretch right now, but yeah, I, I like that idea. I think it's smart. Yeah, well, that's in my uh, iOS 14 uh, prevailing in Q2 2021 course, uh, uh, which there's a 30% discount for, uh, or 20% uh, in the in the blog post accompanying this uh, in this this podcast. But um, but where we are today, right? I mean, given you're on a D zero, there's yeah. a, there's no you might as well just wait till till the timer expires, right? There's or there's no reason to there's no reason to to do that right today. Do you think? Well, do, do what have have a dynamic kind of yeah. segmented uh, set of well, no, because um, be, well, no, because you have to get it in before day zero, right? Yeah. You have to get it in within twenty four hours. Well, I guess the question is, do you have to do that? Well, we no, okay, so, so 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 you don't you don't have to do it, but again, you run into a trade off, right? There's a risk because if Facebook's optimizing on the knowledge or on on the assumption that what it's receiving was uh, observed within twenty four hours, right, and you're waiting. And you're waiting a long time, uh, right? You're waiting three days to send them data. And, and then they're getting data from, you know, users that are like kind of deeper in the product. And so, and, and they're going to, you know, they, they're going to kick off, they're going to instantiate any campaign with like kind of broad targeting. So if they see that, Hey, wow, we're getting like pretty good, uh, you know, for, there's, there's two risks. One is that they don't get any response within 24 hours uh, or, you know, with, or within the period, within the three day period. And they say, ah, this campaign sucks. Like we're not getting any conversion values back and they just shut it down or they, they, they limit, they drop the, um, the campaign spend, they drop the delivery. That's one risk. Now let's say that, you know, they get through that period and they start get they, they drop the delivery, but they start getting all these conversion values that are really high. It's like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait a minute. Like for whatever reason, the first three days, like we were, but now, now we're getting good users. Look at these great users that we're getting within day zero. Let's keep this broad targeting exactly as it is because it's generating these really high value users. Right. I think the first risk is probably more pronounced. Like they're just not getting any camp, they're not getting any conversion values when they expect them. And they're saying, wow, no one is converting. This campaign sucks. Right. So well, I mean they wouldn't even get they don't even get the convert they don't get any they don't get anything, right? They they don't get right. a post back. They just don't think that 
No, they don't think anyone's installing from that campaign. Exactly. They say like, we're getting zero installs here. What's what's going on, right? They, on the basis yeah. of this day zero assumption. So, I mean, there's there's a bunch of risks baked into extending out that observation period yep. that we don't, and we don't know. We don't know what the impact would be, right? No, I've not, I've not had anyone who's actually tested that on, on a Facebook campaign yet. Yeah. No, it's because it's, I mean, it's very difficult. Um, okay, Paul, uh, any last words? Yeah, I mean, um, I'll talk a little bit about Algolift just, just for a second. So yeah, as I, as yeah. I mentioned, we provide sort of LTV prediction and, and campaign measurement services for iOS 14. Um, we then automate user, user acquisition using that, those, those, uh, that data. Um, yeah, I think it, I think the one takeaway for me is like it's going to be really interesting how data science is applied to these problems and what automated systems com companies build, because I think you know the trend that we saw prior to SKR Network and ATT was like a, a move towards automation. I, I think I think this is just going to accelerate that because I think there's a bunch of questions that it's really hard for a, a human to answer that a machine can can answer better. Yeah. Um, things like, what do I do with my model conversion value data? What do I do if it's partially reported? How do I, how do I con reconcile the reporting that I get from my MMP with my SKN network reporting? I, I think questions like that really um, are, are probably better answered by a sort of algorithmically driven automated machine um, mm -hmm. versus, versus a, a UA manager. That would be, that's sort of my, my thought uh, going into this. Um, I guess we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a really interesting couple of months um, as Apple push out uh, ATT um, to a wider audience, and I'm really interested to hear, to hear from. Yeah, I speak to advertisers every day, and and right now I think there's a big question mark around measurement, reporting, and optimization, and I'm just curious to hear from advertisers around how they think about about those different uh, questions. Yeah, um, where can people find you? Where can they hear from you? Uh, read more from you? Uh, yeah, probably easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn. Yeah, Paul Bowen uh, at Algolift by Bungle. Yeah, that's me. And the Algolift blog? I Yeah, so I also, uh, along with a couple of other people at Algolift, write the Algolift blog. Um, uh, so yeah, we put out occasional pieces around how we're thinking about SKN network right now. That's, that's our main focus of attention. So yeah, you can find us there as well, or find me there as well. Great. Well, hey, again, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with me today. Really appreciated the conversation. Thank you. Take care.